Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast with me, your host, Donald Wonder. And I'm joined once again by my marvellous co-host, Simon Rad. Yes, can't wait for this one. I'm excited. You're excited for this one? Yeah, very much so. Okay, that's surprising. Well, let's see what Simon's got to say. Guys, on our last discussion, we actually spoke about a, a non-Woody Allen-directed movie that me and Simon kind of ripped apart. It was called Scenes from a Mall. <laughs> if you want to see that discussion, click on the top right corner of the YouTube card to go back there. Guys, don't forget, we've got a website that's up now called WoodyAllenRetro.com. I'll put something on the screen if you're listening on the podcast on Android, Stitch Radio. I'll leave a link in the description you can click. So guys, yes, we're on YouTube, but we've got the website. Go to the website. You can comment on the videos. Also, as I just mentioned, you can subscribe to us on the podcast so you can get us any which way. We've made it so easy for you guys. Hashtag WoodyAllenRetro.com. Don't forget, all these reviews we do for the Woody Allen movies are spoiler discussions. We rip them apart, we praise them, we criticise them. We're just two schmucks talking about movies that we love. Woody Allen is our focus right now. And guys, you can get on the discussion. But again, these are spoilers. Don't complain. We're going to ruin the movie for you. If you don't care, listen ahead. We're moving forward to the 90s. And Simon's going to introduce us to the next movie. Oh, man. You know how we talked about that after the 80s, Woody seems to kind of finally get out of depression mode and make something that's a little bit more lighthearted and not just look back into the past, you know, try to escape reality. Mm-hmm. Well, here goes this motherfucker. <laughs> not only does he go back in time again, but he goes back all the way to the Great Depression, or at least something that's the closest thing to it. We're looking at Shadow and Fog made in 1991 set in unspecified at least they don't specify it in the movie but you can imagine imagine the great depression in black and white with shadow and fog living up to the title and man i don't know if this movie was supposed to be tragic or funny or both but i think it's great wow i think it's really really good i really enjoyed this i enjoyed this one the most since uh poor rose of cairo in fact this could almost be like an unofficial sequel. Like if Mia Farrow's character actually ran away, this movie could have just easily been the sequel to that. If Woody would, would do sequels. Well, in case you don't know, I know you're going to hate this, but this is, again, another play movie. When I was watching it, I was thinking about, well, this this movie works like a play. There's a very dialogue-focused, and characters spend most of the time walking around in shadow and fog. It was based off a play Woody Allen wrote. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. I think it was a one-page play called Death, so you are correct, Simon. That's exactly right. I was alluding to is a It's a one-act play called uh, called Death, which is, you know, a very uplifting title. I recommend it to watch that, you know, on Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's a great one for that. But basically, what, what the hell is this movie about? Is it like a weather report? No. So, Woody brings back his on-screen persona in this, uh, you know, very depressing setting during a poverty and fear. Even his name. His name is Kleinman, or Kleinman, which is Little Man. That's what it basically means. Hmm. And he's woken up in the middle of the night in his bed, just like you would imagine a play starting with a bunch of actors rushing to the scene, delivering exposition. And he's told that due to this killer being on the loose, killing everybody left, right, and center every night, a gang has been formed of vigilantes who take matters into their own hands. So this is proper old-school American history, basically. It's, it's sort of like a combination of the myth of Jack the Ripper and how in earlier American city settings, people used to, to live and, and deal with criminals. 
And that theme continues throughout the movie. What these characters totally confused that he doesn't know what's going on, but basically they tell him that he has a role in the plan and that he needs to come and don't be a coward. So they shove his out into the cold in the middle of the night with this killer possibly stalking uh, his next prey, his or her next prey, because we don't know who the killer is. It's very mysterious. Mm. And then we get introduced to the other side characters, uh, which is Mia Farrow as the female lead who plays a sword swallower, you know, wink, wink, who works in the surface, surface, circus. And her boyfriend, Paul, is played by the one and only John Malkovich. So we already see two themes forming. Kind of a mockery of uh, the historical setting and the, the common archetypes that come with it. And the other is an amazing cast. I gotta say, this movie is a damn good cast. Hmm. Throughout the story, you're gonna see small cameos, like really small bits being played by really an amazing collection of, of actors and just artists. I mean, Madonna shows up as a, I think she's a, a wire dancer or a, or a, she works on a trampoline or a, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, something for the circus. She, yeah. she, she's mostly a hoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say eye candy, but yeah, you can say hoe. Yeah, she, she's mostly just sleeping around with other other people's husbands or boyfriends. That's what she mostly does. It just, it just goes on. I mean, John Cusack's in this, John C. Riley in a small part. You have... Um, Kathy Bates, Jodie Foster. You have William H. Macy in another small part. I mean, you really have to see it for yourself. And people who watch the movie, they're like, well, you can actually play a drinking game or try to spot how many actors went on to do great things who, at an early age in their, early age of their career, were actually in this picture. And they all apparently love working with Woody. So that uh, that crimes and misdemeanors hype <laughs> that carried in pa- the past three years really paid off. <laughs> You're skipping Alice, yeah? The Alice hype wasn't strong. <laughs> there, 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 there was no Alice hype. There was no and Alice hype. And no hype behind the scenes from a mall either. But yeah, I mean, the rest of the movie is quite well done. We see Woody's character go through all sorts of uh, uh, trials and get into one weird situation after the other, wandering around in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Mia Farrow's character, no surprise there, she gets cheated on, but in the first five minutes, and then she wanders off herself. And then the movie follows the, the two characters around, first separate, and then when they meet, and they meet other archetypes, we get a little bit of mockery here and there, and the killer's out there stalking and committing crimes, actually. And then things get more intense when the danger gets ramped up. Yeah. You know, watching this movie, I was thinking to myself, this was the movie he was preparing for when he was, you know, doing scenes from a moor. And it- <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you at the time, I I actually thought it was going to have a, a different reaction to this movie because the critical and the critical and fan response isn't as strong as you may think. Or let me speak for myself first. I thought this movie was kind of dull. Personally, I thought I liked seeing Woody front and center again. And one thing I will say in pop culture at this time. Every television show I was watching in the nights was parodying Woody Allen, and I always wondered why because I always thought he was kind of. I remember not seeing him much, but when I watch these movies, every movie he's been in so far in the nineties, he's really putting on that nervous persona, talking so fast. I mean, he's really as Woody Allen exists in the movies we're about to see, and just seeing him in this movie, I was thinking, now I know why people took the piss out of you so much because he's really playing it up, and it's really funny. But the movie itself, like you said, Simon, first of all, a lot of the comedy is 
Woody not knowing his place in the bigger scheme of this vigilante group. What am I doing? And you know the plan. You know your plan. No, you're so silly. And they just push them around. And it's it's humorous, but it never really got big chuckles out of me. My favorite part of the movie, to be honest with you, is the cast overall and just the interactions. The movie as a big plot with the killer, I just found it kind of whatever. It's a, to me, this is kind of a a dark comedy. And I don't mean oh, dark yeah. comedy as a black comedy. I'm, I think they're kind of different. A dark comedy is just, it's themed in a very, you know, dangerous setting. And it's all played for comedy though. And there's a lot of things with hookers and prostitutes. Hookers, prostitutes, same thing. My favourite part of the movie was actually the scenes of the prostitutes because they have a lot of funny dialogue about their customers. And a lot of, I, I want to say a big chunk of the movie takes part in the prostitutes place, but it's a, a lot of scenes in this prostitution house, in this whorehouse. And I just love the dialogue they have with each other, seeing Jodie Foster there. There's even a scene where Jodie Foster is trying to have sex with Woody Allen and she's, she, even licks his, <laughs> she even licks his chest. And I love Jodie Foster as an actress. I always had a question, Jodie. I know it's kind of weird. I always had a question, Jodie Foster. I don't know why. Maybe because Maverick is one of my favourite movies. And she's played I such was about a... to say, because she looked one of her best at Maverick and you yeah. love that movie. So there you go. Yeah, this was her time. And to be honest with you... Uh, she just came off one of her most successful movies, Silence of the Lambs, right before this movie. So, you know, people were really falling in love with her. She was great. Look, as you mentioned, the other cast members that we would love to praise so much, they don't even play bigger roles, but they really add to the chemistry of the movie. So funny thing for me is I like watching the actors interact with each other in the movie more than the movie itself because the plot is very thin they're just trying to catch this killer everyone's running from a to b they're all interacting with each other so to me it's not really about the story it's all about the interactions and for that i think it's a supremely magnificently well-casted movie as for the narrative it's a comedy so i guess i shouldn't take it too seriously I just didn't really care. And on top of that, it's meant to be stylized with this, you know, old Victorian Jack the Ripper theme you mentioned. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's German expressionism. So there's a lot of play with fog, shadows and silhouettes. Yeah. It's it's like Smooth Criminal, man. I love that style, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I, 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 the whole movie is shot really well as usual. Actually, the cinematographer is your guy that you've loved. That's always been long time with the Allen cinematographer. I think it was, um, the guy who always praised him, the guy, I think he was the guy who did Manhattan, the guy who watched The Godfather as well, right? Your favourite. Um, yeah, that, if, if it's the same guy from Manhattan. And I'm never going to, never going to criticise the shooting because it looks really well. It's all shot at night. The movie, this whole movie was actually shot in studio on Soundstage. They built all the sets. None of it shot outside. It's all done on sets and I appreciate that. But I came away from the movie, to be honest with you, I kind of fell asleep at some parts because like I said, the comedy was mostly Woody being confused, being pushed from A to B. You do see the... I like the fact you do see the killer. He has interactions with a few people he kills and it just seems like a madman. And at the end, they introduce a little bit of magic which is done for comedy again. But I was kind of like, meh. So for me, I just thought the movie was i just don't i didn't really like it but i don't think it's bad but i didn't really think it was as funny as he was kind of going for i just think it's a very stylized genre movie which i guess works with a great cast but i just like the interactions more than the story itself well that's fine everybody can be wrong every now and then you're wrong (laughs) no no (laughs) you're wrong (laughs) <laughs> no oh, for, first you know what what actually is wrong the uh, cinematographer you were right long time woody allen collaborator but he didn't work on the godfather 
the cinematographer for this one is Carlo Di Palma. Yeah. And uh, he worked on a bunch of movies, but most notably uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, and then Radio Day, September. So those are the Woody Allen collaborations. Uh, he also did, ah, Blow Up, uh, which is uh, a pretty good movie as well, just to recommend it. Blow Up? Yeah. Ah, oh, never heard of that movie. Okay. But enough of him. You know, he did an awesome job. Though. The movie looks beautiful. So that already hooked me. That Just that opening scene in black and white of the dark apartment where Woody's character wakes up. And then you have a basically a reverse tracking shot of him walking through the hallway from his bed to open the door. I thought that looked great. I was like, he really stepped up his game with this movie. You can see the accumulative uh, experience he had from the past decade just really paying off and him really reaching the next level of being a director he's the here's the thing with this movie to enjoy it as much as i did you have to be an asshole this is a movie made by assholes for assholes woody allen's character is an asshole and everybody he surrounds himself with is equally an asshole minus maybe mia farrow that's the whole point of the movie the whole the whole movie is a dark comedy filled with mockery and sarcasm like some of the best moments come from this movie of just making fun of stuff from back in the day like the police being completely useless like you know the fact that uh woody allen is this silly character and then you basically it's the perfect comedy setting for woody allen's on-screen persona to be surrounded by people who are so so serious like this damn night patrol everybody has a plan and they're like we're gonna catch this killer but they nobody knows what they're doing or what going on Woody Allen is the only guy who's asking like but who's gonna do what what where are you going what what am I doing here then he meets the doctor right <laughs> who's performing autopsies and Woody just asks like so what are you up to in the middle of the night he's like I'm experimenting in the human psyche to discover what is the true nature of evil <laughs> I was like what kind of random ass answer is that why did you just go to bed and sleep like what is he what is he doing he's like playing dr frankenstein then they oh another great bit was when they bust out the telepath they bring out this dude who's like <laughs> supposed to have supernatural powers to solve crimes yeah and one of the greatest like characters in the movie is this hype man this dude that just comes along with him just to praise him to hype things up like the dude's like i can smell something and it's like Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, you're witnessing a miracle. The great Kostrovsky has never left us down. <laughs> it's like, is it? And even they even frame him where he just walks into the shot in the perfect framing and yeah. just delivers this one catchphrase like, never has a murderer escaped this man's sixth sense or something like it. It's just, it, it's completely cheesy, but it's played up. They even make fun of the church. <laughs> they they have to donate money to a church later on hmm. and then they have to go back to get it and because of that first they cross out woody's name from the sleep list that the a police officer is putting together with the priest i assume it's a list of jewish people in the neighborhood and the, and when he donates the money oh jesus forgives you my son but then he has to go back to give some of the money to a, basically a homeless woman with a baby and of course, Jesus is not down with that. Jesus doesn't support charities. Not only they put his name back on the list, but they draw a giant ass circle around it just to make sure they get his ass later. <laughs> you know what? You you have reminded me of my favorite part of the movie. Again, 
and uh, before I get to, I do want to say you did point out that most people are playing this very serious, and Woody Allen's character is the foil to that. There's actually, I think, there's one scene. It might have been Woody Allen and John John Cusack where John Cusack, like, you don't take anything seriously, and Woody Allen just kept on making sarcastic jokes on and on and on. And my favorite scene was when Woody Allen was running away from the killer. He runs into his uh, a woman that was meant that he was meant to marry, and then oh yeah. And all, it's like a 10-minute scene of her describing how Woody betrayed her, how they were oh, meant to... He's running away from the mob at that point. Because, oh, yeah, of course they're going to start blaming him for, for being the killer at some point. Yes, that's your right. It was the mob. But when he's in the house with the, the woman that he done wrong, she was they slowly break down what he did to her, and he just keeps on making excuses. And he's like, yeah, but then I found you in the closet, and you were naked with my sister. He was like, yeah, but I was just showing her some moves. And he just kept on going on with the comedy. And, you know, she brought out the gun. I'm actually really surprised to see Woody being so comedic and being so lively, so energetic at his age. I'm not going to lie. He's in his mid-50s at this point, And he's really... You know, he put himself in the role, and I, I think he does really well. But funny enough, I, I, like I said before, I think the cast do an absolutely stellar job, and I wish I found this movie more funny. But to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know the 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 murder. I don't know what I could have latched onto apart from Woody, because I guess he's the only comedic part. Everyone else is living their lives and just in this really dark and dank place. And um, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I. Hey, I'm a bit of an asshole too, but maybe I needed more characters that were asked like Woody Allen because he's really, he's not even an asshole. He's just, he's just a sarcastic whip. Well, he also tells his ex-fiance, who's, by the way, another great little small part for Julie Cavern, who voices Marge Simpson. Yeah. Her unique voice just, it's perfectly suited for complaining you can listen to that woman complain for hours where he just goes through the list of like you cheat, you left me you were drunk you cheated with my sisters and what he's like how long are you gonna hold that that stuff against me and he was like <laughs> yeah. she was like how can you say that like like i just want an explanation it's like I'll, I'll give you an explanation like I, don't blame your sister it's all me I, it's like i really i really liked you you're a really nice woman i just don't didn't love you you know you i thought you were pregnant and i was doing the right thing but i just couldn't love you <laughs> that was actually that's a good part you mentioned because that was a bit that was a bit down to earth it was a bit honest so i mean and and again I, i'm so, sorry but woody you, you need to stop like of course, I bet he said this has nothing to do with my life. But I'm like, again, in private, he and Mia Farrow were supposed to get married for how many years now? And they're staying together because Mia Farrow got pregnant. And then he rides this character whose total plot line is that he left this woman because he was only staying with her because he thought she was pregnant. Hmm. I mean, go. the four the foreshadowing Simon is strong, isn't it? The foreshadowing is strong in yeah, this one. The, the, yeah, the foreshadowing and fog, right? That, that's an easy pun to make. <laughs> you know, what, I haven't. That's, like that's the alternate title, you know, of the director's cut of this one. I haven't done this for a long time because it was kind of corny. When we started doing the retrospective, I always had a favorite quote I took from the movie, but to be honest with you, I just I thought it was a bit corny and I couldn't be bothered to do it. Plus, your ass got lazy, right? Yeah, I got a bit lazy, but I had one quote in this movie that I loved. <laughs> what was it? It was in the whorehouse, and I think it was. Uh, Kathy Bates and I'm I'm I kind of changed it because it sounds better the way I wrote but she basically says this not for for baiting but she says may all your ups and downs be in the bedroom <laughs> in life you know in life may all your ups I thought 
that's a that's a motto. I think me and Sammy can live by all your ups yeah. and downs. Oh man, Th- that whole subplot with Mia Farrow ending up in a whorehouse after she breaks up with Paul, her boyfriend who's a clown, and, and again that that guy's whole monologue of being a comedian and mm. making people laugh and how I'm like that's Woody Allen talking again. Mm. I mean, come on, you know. But then doesn't it kind of betray itself how it ends with them two as well at the end with the babies? Isn't that kind of like, what the fuck is this about? Well, again, that's Mia Farrow's character being Mia Farrow, who's very charitable and yeah. adopts a, a child. But yeah. uh, again, you know, don't, I mean, yeah, it's just Woody <laughs> Allen. He, he recycles ideas. I mean, but that's what I like about him because it's really like how, him doing a Woody Allen movie with like a crazy ass murder plot twist to it. I, I sure. really enjoyed it. I mean, one of the best things in this film to me, one of the best scenes comes out of that subplot with Mia Farrow. It's her husband, uh, her boyfriend, Paul, talking with John Cusack's character, who yeah. Mia Farrow actually kind of slept with in the heat of the moment because she was at the whorehouse. Joan in Cusack the heat of the moment, she was heavily persuaded. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, you know, she was cheated on, she was drinking, and then John Cusack just kept pressing her with this offer, and she said, oh, screw it, you know, might as well. Yeah. when was the last time somebody flattered me like this and money's money and i'm like who the hell like if you know i was cheated on and then somebody like 700 dollars back in the day i mean that would be at least 10 grand Ten gr- exactly what well, the currency exchange would be the inflation yeah, would be insane be enormous you know yeah. and like a decent looking like john cusack you know young guy a decent looking chick walks up to you is like will you sleep with me for 10 grand i would be like Hell yeah, you know. He was another Woody Allen character. I have to say, speaking about the behind the scenes of the movie, he was dying to work with Woody Allen for so long. He actually called okay. Woody Allen one of his heroes. So when he read the script for this, he loved it. And he 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 delivered his role perfectly. He had a small part, not a big part, but I the way he delivered his lines, he was like a very ultra romantic version of Woody Allen, the way he was yeah. using his lines and whining her. And even after they had sex, the things he was saying about her, he was just really realizing yeah. who you really are. It was really romantic and he's good at that. I know he's always been that guy with the lines, you know, and I, I really like him in the role. I thought he was great. And you know, one he thing I will say- yeah, he has some of the best moments. Like the not only the ones you mentioned with him talking to Woody or talking about her, but the scene I was alluding to was when him and Paul are drinking, but they don't know each other at that point. Yeah, and they're both talking about Mia Farrow's character, but it, it's like they're talking about two different women. Yeah, and then the dialogue just switches, and Paul's character realizes that John Cusack slept with his girlfriend. And then he just kept going, keeps going on about like, wow, you know, you man, you probably never slept with a sword swallower. It's really an experience. But the poor girl must be dating some schlub who sucks in the bedroom, some yeah. poor clown. And I'm like, man. You was expecting cold. a punch to be thrown at that point, weren't you? Because I was. But he just kept quiet and just sunk in his chair and was like, fuck. Well, because he was completely destroyed. You know, it's like slap in the face. And I'm like, even the clown pun that he's a clown in real life and then John Cusick calls the theoretical boyfriend some clown I'm like that's it you know what I'll give that a pass that's actually clever in that context I'm like (laughs) there's just if you have a dark sense of humor like me I really enjoy this but I just thought it was funny man and like I said it's making fun of misery and how much 
think sucked back in the day. You know, that Trump calls the golden age of America that we need to get back to. I mean, I love it how the vigilante citizens patrol just turns into a lynch mob immediately. Just a bunch of angry, frustrated guys that can't even go along with each other. Like half the people that die during the night are actually killed by members of the vigilante group over a disagreement. The vigilante yeah. group like breaks into three parts and they nearly have a, a freaking civil war. <laughs> They've been out patrolling for one night. Yeah, they turn out to be gangsters. Yeah, they killed more people than the killer. Uh, I'm like, this is just a great metaphor for American politics dating back. It's like Woody Young just keeps going. Like, this is a time we should like, you know, stick together and collaborate. And they're like, collaborate? That, that guy's an idiot. You know, I could never talk to them. <laughs> Last thing I got to say about the movie is that the cast is so good. I wish I could see some of these guys. Some of them do. I think one or two of them do return other movies. But I just was like, I kind of wish he did another movie with this cast. But, it, you know, I can. here's the funny thing they said about Woody Allen that really made me laugh. When you're working with Woody Allen, you don't know the name of the movie. You don't really know what it's about. You just get the script and act. And then you find out after the fact because he's so secretive and he's such a, a control freak about his process that these guys are so happy to work with him. You know, you hear he's in a genre film and you just based off his previous filmography, you're like, this is going to be a masterpiece. So... I know they were happy, but this is such a different film from his filmography, especially with such an, a great cast. I wonder if some of them feel like they wish they did a, a more of a standard drama where they could have got Oscars. Because this movie, let's talk about the critical feedback now, looking at it from the fans and IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, didn't do well. Enough when it, it didn't do well in the US and the Western side. It did do very well in Europe and France. I think... This and Alice did really well in France because this was the time where Europeans were enjoying the Woody Allen movie a lot more. And you could say, obviously, because we could see a lot of references and homages to that in this movie as well. So Not not surprised. You're a fan. So, you know, you fit the yeah, bill, hey, don't you? Yo, like, you, you? You can never tell. I mean, it's all about timing and, and delivery. You know, it, it's 1991. It's hardly like, you know, less than two years from now, we're going to see Steven Spielberg, you know, bring dinosaurs in. It was that that age. I remember when they were promoting Jurassic Park, Spielberg was talking about, I believe within five years, due to science, we might actually see real life dinosaurs. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I was like three, but I was still like, oh man, you're just, you're just hyping up your own movie now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was a time of blockbusters and, you know, everything escalating out of control, especially with computer generated effects. I mean, this is, you know, you want to talk about Ingmar Bergman influences mm -hmm. shooting a black and white movie based on a play called Death with like minimal action, all dialogue, people walking around confused in a foggy setting, shot in a way that mimics cinematography from Germ you know, basically German expressionist era. I mean, that that is one big tribute to not only Ingmar Bergman, but his influences visually stylistically and the era of filmmaking that he dominated which is the era of misery <laughs> you know a character literally called the little man being completely thrown around by society and then basically villainized and then becoming the victim himself yeah i mean basically just to wrap this up you got the stark contrast you got scenes of the moor and you got this <laughs> <laughs> in 1991 was an interesting year for Woody Allen guys again let us know what you think in the movie leave your thoughts or comments if you watch the movie in the description down below because again I know that it wasn't received very well 
Guys, don't forget you can get all your trivia behind the scenes information on the Woody Allen Pages Watchers Guide for this movie in particular. Stellar cast, they had a lot to say. You can even Google some of the cast talking about this movie. And I, I really am impressed with the cast of this. Uh, I wish they did a more contemporary movie, but, you know, we've got a lot more movies to go. We're moving on to the next year. And the next movie is a very, very, very special market point because the next yep. movie is the final movie where Woody Allen and Mia Farrow have their last movie together. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one, husbands and wives. But um, again, Simon, I want to thank you for joining me on this review. No, that was a pleasure, man. I'm, I'm glad, you know, other movies we watched from the 80s had good moments, for me at least. But this one was like a consistently good movie. You know what this is? This is like a license to kill from the Bond franchise where that movie didn't really get the reception it deserved. But looking back, it's it's up there. It's one of the very good ones. It's just very different. You know, it's more minimalistic. And this is like that in Woody's filmography. It's just something different, but still very good. You know, give it a, give it a chance. Don't listen to the initial impressions. Yeah, I think you're just a fucking hipster. So <laughs> you and the you and the few hundred people that like this movie, you're yeah, all you in know it what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You're Forrest Whitaker from the damn Panic Room, but the way you look at Judy Foster. So you know, take your pick. Hell yeah! <laughs> Fuck you, son. <laughs> Guys, let's get out of here. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget about the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com, where we've got all the previous recordings. Because boy, we are way past the 20s with these movies, and we've got we're coming to the halfway point soon. Only half. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, halfway through the year, halfway through the movies. It's ironic. Let's see where we are in six more months, guys. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for on the podcast, and we'll see you on the next recording.